Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. Brought to you by Thrivent. Find your purpose and live your calling. Start your next career today by going to thriventfinancial.com slash advisor careers or email david.sample at thrivent.com. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Stacy on the Right. And we are so blessed to be joined today by Arrington Weston, middle school social studies teacher at the Aiken County Public School District. Arrington, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So this is a really great subject for us. We are delving deeper and deeper into school choice. And I want to start off by talking with you about the importance of literacy and education in black families. Um, where, where do you stress that parents go with this? How do you uh, talk to parents, especially since you teach middle school? How do you talk to them about increasing literacy within their family unit? <laughs> we are. We probably don't have enough time for me to go there. I I stress it so much. I stress it so much in my classroom. I think so. So here's the thing: when it comes to black families and literacy, we have to start young. We have to start young. We can't allow a child to even get to the third grade without having read at least a hundred books. And, and the reason why I say that is because it's so crucial. And 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 thinking about it uh, being so early, when kids can't read on the proper grading level, even in the third grade, the chances of incarceration and poverty increase. Uh, I was just in front of the um, city council asking for funding because I'm starting my own literacy summer camp, trying to start it up this summer. And the statistics for teenage girls uh, having children out of wedlock, uh, incarceration, poverty and things like that, they all increase when our kids can't read. Um, for me, it's, I, I try to stress it as much as possible, if that answers your question. But like I said, we, we, I, you would have me off about four or five hours talking about the importance of literacy with Black families. Well, and, and I agree 100%. Um, we, we had a, a similar emphasis in our family when our kids were young, and we had aggressive goals for how many books that we would read to them before they reached the age where they could read to themselves. And then the number of books they would read um, over the summer before school started. And then during the school year, books that they would read outside of what was assigned to them. So basically books to read for fun. And by stressing that, it kind of cultivated a love of learning in them that was very helpful in keeping them on grade level, you know, proficient or advanced, depending on the subject. I think it's so important to have that conversation at, between the mom and dad and to set those goals together and then to model that out for kids. Um, so you're teaching middle school and you, you're in social studies especially, but there's a there's another component. You're in a public school district and normally public school district teachers don't support school choice. Where do you stand on it and what role do you think it plays in improving educational outcomes for black kids? Well, listen, here's what I think. I think, you know... A family should be able to choose, you know, what where they uh, send their school to. Um, however, I will say that it, it does kind of need to start at home, though. Uh, you know, you can send your kid to the right school, but, you know, you can't really hold their hand once they get there. So it, it really has to start at home first. And that's another conversation that we would have about, you know, um, family structure, being in the household, you see such a difference in kids. And I'm not saying that you can't have a successful child without a, you know, stable home environment. But if you have that, you know, stable home environment, I mean, what I've seen is that the chances of success 
do tend to increase. Yes, the stable home environment is a is a bedrock and foundational. Uh, it's it's the first building block for getting kids into uh, educational success. So let's 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 explore that a little bit though. When you say you know obviously you're in a public school district, but you are talking about just a moment ago. You mentioned the the breakdown of the family, the out of wedlock birth rate, and I, I'm assuming you see poor outcomes for kids who are coming from homes where the the father is not present. So how how important is it for us to stress to people as a matter of public policy that intact homes yield better outcomes for kids and it's not a discrimination type of a thing. It's not no one's trying to come down like a ton of bricks on anyone, but it's just that that outcome is better when the father is in the home. I mean, listen, statistics even show that when the father is present, outcomes are better. That's, you know, that those are just facts. Um, yeah, I mean, just as a matter of uh, just stressing that, what, what I would say is that if you can't have the nuclear family, at least just try to be present in the child's life. At least just try to be there. Try, try to be present. Try to be involved as much as possible. And that's not something that's, you know, germane to just black families. You know, I've, a, a lot of, you know, different groups of people and races have that issue. But what I would definitely stress is that um, parents being involved in the child's life is very important because a child can't raise himself. A child can't raise herself. So having those parents that kind of support and guide, guide the child, that is crucial. So the the there are these outliers. I, I meet people sometimes where after you get to know them a little bit, you know, they're they're very, very successful, but they had a single mom. And it's usually if you you kind of delve into it a little bit, they have this structure outside of their nuclear family, where even if their father wasn't present full time, there was a father figure, a grandfather, an uncle, someone who uh, was able to be in that role and fulfill that need. So the issue here is not that every family will be perfect. We know for a fact that's not going to happen. But there are ways to basically it's the same as if you have an injury until you're healed, you have to kind of have a workaround to make sure that you can still function. It's familial workarounds that we're talking about that can make all the difference, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I'm I'm very big on not only just literacy, but mentoring. Um, I also do the um, mentoring program at our school because I know that, you know, not every child comes from a perfect family. If we can just model the behavior that we want for kids that are at risk, that would also yield, a, you know, um, a, a difference in some of the issues that we see like poverty and incarceration and things like that. So in your classroom with kids, it doesn't matter if their family background, how do you, um, how do you kind of get them motivated if they come in and they're unmotivated for education or for reading or for even the, the just being in class uh, on a regular basis and attending and, and achieving how do you motivate them to get them plugged in and kind of uh, transition them into a motivated type of a, a, a atmosphere? Well, that's something that's kind of, uh, any teacher will tell you that that's kind of a, a perpetual lesson for us. But what I try to do is I try to, so I, I tell my kids that if I want to be, if I want to be respected, I have to be respectable. One, in my classroom, we do not use first names. I refuse to call each other by the first name. And the reason why I do that, I, I call them Mr. and Miss, is to prepare them for adulthood. And I constantly, 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 constantly stress, you can. 
whatever you want to do, you can, because I teach seventh grade and that's, you know, a relatively early age. But I try to stress that whatever it is you want to do, you're not at a point right now where anything that you've done or anything that has happened to you would uh, somehow uh, prevent that whatever it is you want to do from happening. So I constantly, 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 constantly stress that so much. So much I probably get tired of hearing it. And you kind of have to do that a, a lot so that eventually they will believe it. I love that. So as we're closing out here, is there anything you want to leave parents with, especially, you know, maybe there's someone in the podcast audience who's thinking, I know a family that's, you know, similarly situated where there's not a father present, but I want to be of assistance. I want to support that family or offer some kind of, you know, come alongside them and help them to achieve their goals. What would you recommend for them, especially coming from your teaching background? You see kids in the classroom and you probably can pinpoint what what would be great for them to have in in their private life additionally. But it's hard for people to ask. Sometimes it's better to just offer something or to come alongside and give as opposed to trying to wait for someone to ask for help. Okay, so I would say the two things that we just got done talking about, mentoring and literacy. Model behavior, model, if you know there's not a man present in, in the family, model the kind of behavior you want that young man to be. Model model behavior. And let me, the reason why I say that is because, and this is something that I heard one of my favorite spiritual teachers say, moral authority will always, always, always be better than situational authority. Moral authority will always be better than situational authority because a, a situational authority or a title authority basically just means you're in charge. You told me what to do, so I did it. But th- that's what situational authority is. But moral authority means I'm influenced by you. I'm inspired by you. Therefore, I want to do it. And that is how you teach young people. That. And I would say literacy. I cannot stress literacy enough. I, I cannot stress just books, 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 more books. And then in the meantime, more books. Fantastic. I'm so glad we were able to catch you and have you here on the program with us today and to share um, your expertise and knowledge as a teacher, a leader, a mentor, and to have the opportunity to, to share your perspective with our podcast audience. Arrington Weston, Middle School Social Studies teacher, Aiken County Public School District. Thank you, sir, for joining us today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. All right. I want to talk to you about our sponsor, the Alliance for Shared Health. They have a health sharing ministry with over 40,000 households and when you join health sharing, you're sharing in the cost burdens with every member household, but your premiums go to that. Your your deductible is uh, one that you set yourself. You do not have to change the way that you do business, though. They have the similar things to what you're used to now with your traditional health plan because you have uh, critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access a virtual care provider at zero cost. You have a prescription card, the share prescription card. And you have access to lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. So listen, open enrollment is now. You don't want to miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums and make a difference in the lives of others who share your values. None of the money that you share with the health sharing goes towards things that we don't traditionally support like abortion. So you can reach out to Ash today by heading over to StaceyOnTheRight.com or FamilyVisionMedia.org and clicking the link. And then you can begin sharing and saving today. 
The Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare and changing lives. And don't forget, if you're looking for professional opportunities, if you're interested in a career with meaning and purpose, you can become a Thrivent Financial Advisor by emailing david.sample at thrivent.com. Find your purpose, live your calling, thrivent.com.